Panoramic Lifestyle Clothing is your store for quality, distinctive t-shirts. These are eye-pleasing, pre-shrunk cotton tees for men, women, and children. These are the best t-shirts I've ever had. I love the designs and the way they fit. I recommend Panorama to all my friends. Panoramic t-shirts are classy, not those cheap knockoffs. These are the real deal. Get quality for less at plclothing.store. Make First Trade your first choice when it comes to investing. I've been using First Trade for years and I love the fact that you free yourself from commissions with $0 online trades and there's no hidden fees. You get a full suite of products. You can trade stocks, ETFs, options, fixed income, and over 11,000 mutual funds. And here's the part I like best. I can trade on the go. Seize opportunity no matter where you are with First Trade's Android and iPhone mobile apps. So keep those commissions in your wallet and maximize your gains by making First Trade your first choice for investing. Get more information from krobcollection.com and get free stock market trading with First Trade. First Trade, your first choice for free stock trading. Sign up today at krobcollection.com. Good morning and welcome to Sunday Digest, a public affairs presentation of FM 99.5 WGAR, Cleveland's country music station. I'm Ken Robinson. On today's edition, are you looking forward to retirement? Do you think your present company will keep you on that long? An employment expert says, don't bet on it. Chances are if you're 52 to 53 and you've been working for the same company 5, 10, or 15 years, if you think you're going to retire at age 65 with that same organization, you better start thinking the whole thing through again. Robert Autoborg says it's now standard practice for companies to get rid of workers after they hit 50. We'll learn of ways you can protect yourself and your family on today's edition of Sunday Digest. But first, most Americans would agree that our current income tax system is complicated. But would a simple flat tax be a fair tax? Citizens for Political Reform is a Cleveland organization that's been pushing for a flat tax for a number of years. Chairman Ken Wolnick joins us on the line this morning. GOP presidential candidate Steve Forbes has sparked the latest debate over the flat tax, and before him, Democratic presidential candidate Jerry Brown offered a similar proposal. Is a flat tax the way to go? Well, when you look at the cost in general to the citizens to fill out the forms, the cost to, that it takes to record all the information, uh, what is it, 473 forms currently out there, and uh, people are spending, what, five and a half billion hours just to record these things in a system that originally was designed to collect revenue to fund the government. But it's gone beyond that now, and it does a lot of other things, namely the, the Internal Revenue Service has now become a, a transfer agent of, of money from one group to another. From, from what I understand, when the uh, income tax uh, first came about, it was uh, created to tax rich people, wasn't it? Yeah, so <laughs> very few people at the time. I think if you made $4,000 in 1913, you were considered rich. And it was, again, on that basis that the tax came into play to fund necessary programs. Uh, you would think uh, to defend and uh, 
take care of the Constitution and keep people safe and things like this. But the government, uh, since the New Deal and the Great Society has grown in leaps and bounds, and the cost to sponsor all the activities coming specifically out of Washington has grown accordingly. So when you look at a new tax system, you also want to avoid revenue, revenue neutrality, whereby we're not looking for new ways to add to the burden of people, specifically the middle class. Now, some people are saying that a flat, flat tax would hurt the middle class the most because they wouldn't have many of the popular deductions that they have now. Well, I think if uh, your tax bite goes from about 28% to anywhere from 10 to 17, and the economy uh, gets better, and I think the real hang-up on uh, a flat tax proposal is the, in the uh, interest deduction on home mortgages. But even if you look at that, I think about 28% uh, of the people actually use that deduction, and out uh, of that, 80% of them are making $50,000 and over. So it's kind of a specious argument from uh, the uh, housing industry and the banks. So the uh, mortgage rate deduction, uh, the mortgage interest deduction, really doesn't have that much of an impact on the bottom line? Not really. I think it's a, a lot of smoke. The whole issue here is is that we could simplify the system. People will pay less taxes, and certainly the economy should grow accordingly. So we're looking at a, maybe a flat tax of about 17 to maybe 20%? I think 20 is way too high. Probably what I would like to see is start out about 17, and then as we start paying off the debt, get down to about 10. But there are several different variations of the theme, whereby uh, there might be some uh, deductions for uh, children. And it may not kick in until, say, $36,000, where uh, each adult would get $13,000 deduction, and each child would get maybe... Uh, uh, 5000 so you would start paying tax after $36,000. So there's a lot of variations of the theme, and that's what we have to look out for to see what plan fits best for everybody. Uh, obviously, it's, it's not a panacea, but it's a start to start reigning in control of the government. And I think specifically the middle class deserves this more than anybody because they are paying for quite a bit right now. And if you want to put stress on a family, take a look at what the tax burden is between state federal and local. It's about 40%. And I want to underscore that. 40% of a wage earner's money goes to taxation. <laughs> Isn't it a, too much by now? Well, that is quite a bit, quite a bit. Well, when you add it up, uh, you know, all your hidden taxes and some of the value, uh, snuck-in value-added taxes and uh, taxes on gasoline and sales tax and property tax. Uh, I think back in 1970, uh, about 6% of national wealth was transferred from one group to another. Currently, it's about 17, so you look at that trend, and it's very scary. You're listening to Sunday Digest on FM 99.5 WGAR. I'm Ken Robinson, and our guest is Ken Wolnick, chairman of Citizens for Political Reform, a Cleveland-based group pushing for a flat federal income tax. Now, what about poor people, uh, the disadvantaged, who don't make uh, a lot of money, maybe the working poor, for example? They won't pay taxes. They won't pay taxes no, under a flat any. tax? No. They won't pay. Again, where the, it depends on where the threshold is established. And uh, some of the plans we've looked at and seen that people probably making maybe under $20,000 wouldn't pay a dime. That's kind of hard to believe. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's too good to be true sometimes, and, but it is really good. And plus the fact there's an incentive for, for savings on here. This country has a wretched reputation for non-savings, so we don't want to tax any interest income. Now, somebody will say, well, gee whiz, that's great for the poor or for the rich. So what? 
we need a stimulus to save more for our future. Well, let, let's say a uh, family with moderate income, let's say about $30,000 uh, they're bringing in. 17% of $30,000 uh, would, would have more of an a, uh, impact on someone in that tax bracket than someone making maybe $300,000, wouldn't it? Well, I, don't, I really don't get caught up in the class warfare. I, I don't get concerned really with people who make a lot of money. And secondly, somebody who made 30000 and had a family of four probably would not pay any taxes. And if you look at the current tax collections, the rich are paying way more than their so-called fair share. And I, I use that term fair share very loosely because I, I really like to know who establishes what fair is anymore. Uh, it seems that if you have a decent home and, and you work hard and, uh, and you grow and achieve and, and accumulate, that you're an enemy of the state for some reason. I think it's wrong. You've got to look at people who are creating the wealth in this country, who are going to put forth the capital for jobs and investment and all these other things. Uh, I don't think they're enemies. Now, some have suggested that we go to a sales tax, a national sales tax, let's say of uh, 15% or 17%, and you just pay taxes on everything you consumed or purchased. What's wrong with that? In that, well, it would to be a totally voluntary tax. You have to tinker with the Constitution because the Constitution says, 16th Amendment, that is, says that you have to have an income tax. And secondly, uh, they don't work because sooner or later, somebody will come back with a income tax. It hasn't worked anywhere, to my knowledge. There are some countries uh, in Europe tried it didn't work. And it's too easy to bury the, the, the cost of government. Now, when people fill out a one-page form and it says, you owe the government all this money, and that's it. And people have a real understanding of what the cost is. Uh, and I think the uh, sales tax is very aggressive because for some people, again, on the lower strata or stratus, will pay more of their income. Now, Republican uh, presidential candidate Steve Forbes is the guy who's uh, created this new debate over the flat tax. And I believe uh, Jerry Brown, when he was running uh, for the Democratic nomination some years ago, brought it up. Both uh, those men seem to be lambasted by members in their own party. And the Why is there this internal dissension and uh, um, sometimes even hate over the flat tax proposal? Because uh, Forbes is making a run for it. I'm not endorsing or supporting Forbes. However, he's made a lot of hay with it, and I think it's a certain amount of jealousy. And I think it, the Republicans who are, uh, are lambasting us are kind of dumb, really, because most people, I would venture to guess, are for flat tax. So what are they doing? They're creating uh, a class warfare situation within their own party by attacking uh, uh, Mr. Forbes, who's a, a very wealthy man. And, you know, you've got to listen to what the guy's saying, not from where he came or what he has. Do you think that uh, once, if we do get a flat tax, do you think it may be misused and uh, abused uh, like the uh, current income tax system that was supposed to uh, have been a fair system back in uh, the early part of the century? Well, unfortunately, when Washington gets involved, and as soon as they create laws, whether they're for taxation or rules and regulations, that creates a whole lobbying group of vested interests that are going to try to counter the effects of this law or this tax, that would be eliminated. What a start. Jeez, we, we probably would rid half the lobbyists in Washington once the t uh, tax code is changed. And second of all, it's pretty neat. I don't think uh, it'll be very easy to bury or to evade or to escape taxation as it is now. There's a lot of underground economy, and there's a lot of different ways that people are actually evading and, and not paying their taxes. And I, I refuse to use the word fair share or the phrase fair share. So there's a lot of 
possibilities that would clean up the whole mess. You want to give us a uh, a scenario here as to what what are the chances you think of the U.S. having a flat tax in a, in a not too distant future? I would say within five years. It depends if it gets on the national agenda. You could bet that whoever comes out of the Republican uh, primaries and is the uh, will go against Clinton will support some kind of tax refund uh, reform system. They're fighting among each other now, but at that point, somebody will come out and be for it. And uh, it's interesting to note even the Democrats in the state of Ohio have come out for a tax reduction, and uh, which is really good because traditionally Democrats have never so supported a tax reduction in, in, in recent memory. Now, that's the, the question. Will a flat tax be tax reduction or just tax reform? Both. Both? It has to be both. Well, we want to thank you for talking with us today. Ken Walnick, chairman of Citizens for Political Reform, a Cleveland-based group pushing for a flat income tax. I'm Ken Robinson, and you're listening to Sunday Digest on FM 99.5 WGAR. America's aging population is heading for trouble in the workplace. Our next guest says you can bet your company will get rid of you long before retirement. Robert Otterborg is author of the book, Kiplinger's Retire and Thrive. He joins us in the studio. Bob, what's the difference between early retirement and being fired? I think it's all the same, uh, different ways to say the same thing. Some people are downsized. Other people are given a package which says early retirement. Some people even are fired, and it all, and it all means the same thing. The company doesn't need you anymore. Mm. And it, so it comes down, however you want to call yourself, a victim of downsizing or early retirement. Uh, it's the same thing. Starting a week from Monday, the place you went to work for 5, 10, 15 years is no more the place you go to work anymore. Mm-hmm. So the end result is the same. What's the average age of uh, early retirement? I don't think there are any real statistical studies, but it's getting younger and younger. I mean, some accounting firms ask their partners to retire at age 60. Uh, depends on the particular industry. Of course, the military, uh, people take early retirement after 20 years service, and they're only in their, their mid-40s. But by and large, I'm not dealing with that marketplace. That uh, I'm dealing with the people, men and women, who are in their mid-50s to early 60s, and all the various alternatives they have, whether they want to retire, whether they want to do something else, take another job, start a new career, or whatever. I'm not an advocate, by the way, that once you leave that corporate or institutional job, you should just become a full-time golfer. There are many other alternatives, and I'm sure uh, Ken's going to get into that <laughs> later on in the program. Okay. Well, let's say uh, someone is 55 years old. They had planned to work till they till they're 65, but the company comes in and says, eh, eh, we don't need you anymore. We're going to give you a little uh, extra money here and get out of here. And you weren't expecting it. The person wasn't expecting it. What, what do they do then? Well, uh, that question is interesting in its own right, that you should not wait anymore for the company to come to you. Uh, chances are, if you're 52 to 53 and you've been working for the same company 5, 10, or 15 years, if you think you're going to retire at age 65 with that same organization, you better start thinking the whole thing through again. You are not going to be retiring with that company because one way or the other, they're going to get rid of you. You're going to either 
getting too old, you're too overpriced for the job, they can find a person half your age who can do the work harder and longer than you can, and they're going to get rid of you one way or the other. So you used to start thinking of various things you would like to do long before the company taps you on the shoulder and says, we don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what should you prepare for? What, what, how should you set, set up your life and your career to, to deal with this? Well, I think the first thing you should do, it, uh, there again, it depends on your family lifestyle. If you're single, you have one set of alternatives. If, if you got married later in life and your children are now, you're age 56, and your children are now beginning to go to college, you have another alternative. And if your children are already out of college, uh, you have a different thing. But starting in your early 50s, you should really have, if not already, a good financial plan in place. Because so, that's the, the pivotal thing, although I'm uh, not going to be discussing financial planning per se. Uh, you have to know where the dollars are going to come from. Mm-hmm. And after you know where the dollars are going to come from, then you can start thinking, what do I want to do? How do I want to spend my time? Mm-hmm. Now, most people, when they are hit with early retirement, they want to keep working, don't they? Many people do. They, want, they like their job. They might have been whatever they were doing. They liked the work. They liked the profession. They liked the challenge. They might not want to work any more 50 hours a week or so. Mm-hmm. They might want to say, hey, I like to work three or four days a week. I'd like to work different hours. I don't want to be a manager anymore. I'd like to just do the work. They might have been, say, a computer person uh, and been managing a large software operation. And they say, I don't want to be a manager and have to travel all over the United States anymore, but I like to continue in the computer field. It's a field I like, so I'm going to take a job with no management uh, responsibilities at all just so I can do the work either to make more income Two, to continue with the challenge, or three, stay in the field which they like to do, or perhaps even find another field they like to enter. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you go about finding a job after a company has told you, you're too old to work for us, we don't need you, we can find younger, cheaper talent? How do you, doesn't that affect your mindset? How do you go back and counteract that and say, uh, tell another employer, yes, I, I am still valuable? Uh, that's a difficult trick. Uh, first of all, when you're 55, 62 years of age, regardless, uh, you're no longer the young boy on the block or the young woman on the block. Uh, they're all secrets of going out on job interviews. You don't go out on a job interview and on the first moment as you're sitting before a person who might be the age of your son and daughter, t- bring out the grandchildren pictures. And you might as well say to the person, well, I'm the old man on the block. Wouldn't you like to hire an old man? You talk about your experiences. Not your experiences in 1959 and 1960, but your experiences in 1991, some of the accomplishments you made at the company. So they realize they're getting somebody who is current, up-to-date. Also, employers want to know if you are up-to-date in your skills, if you're a computer person again, but your knowledge of computer uh, science is circa 1995, didn't stop in 1982, and so that you don't have anything to offer. Like all jobs, you have to offer somebody something. And of course, there's always the smaller company. You might have been working for a large bank, as an example, and decide that I don't want to work for a large company, or they're not looking for you. But there are lots of l- smaller companies, uh, not the big publicly owned companies, not the Fortune 1000, but smaller organizations who are looking for skilled men and women, oftentimes who in their mid-late 50s to 60s, they offer a lot of advantages to a company and, uh, and retire and thrive. My book gets into it. They, they can uh, do many things which a younger person ca- ca- can't do. They can work for less money. Mm-hmm. They might ha- not, the job might re- not require a marketing manager 
five days a week or a public relations manager. It might require somebody three days a week. And they're not looking to make six figures. They might be happy because everything else is uh, coming in from a retirement plan, their savings. If they made twenty-five, thirty thousand, so they're very pleased with the job and a smaller company gets a very skilled man or woman as a result. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Robert K. Otterborg, who's author of the book Kiplinger's Retire and Thrive. And, uh, well, education, is it necessary for a person to, to go back to school and beef up uh, their educational background if they, they want to jump back into the job market after being forced to, to step out? Well, education means different things to different folks. Uh, one person I know uh, who I interviewed in my book uh, never went to college. Saul was uh, 62 when he left the company he owned because of some uh, uh, problems in the operations. And uh, he had a son who had a doctor degree and a daughter who had a master's degree. His wife was a school teacher, still just teaching. And Saul decided he wanted to go back then and get his bachelor's degree. And at 62 years indeed of age, indeed, he went back and got a uh, bachelor's degree in economics, never expecting to teach economics or be an economist, but he, that was his challenge. Other people go back to school to learn things as simple as uh, they never learned about a computer. Remember, people in their 20s and early 30s take a computer for granted. People in their 60s often have never used a personal computer. Well, if you're going to look for a job now, by the way, you can't look for a job and present yourself to a smaller company and say, well, I want to come in and, uh, and wh- what about my secretary? They're going to look at you and say, we don't have secretaries here. All our people write their own letters and do their own reports on their PC. It's a, that's a time you can go to school and uh, learn how to operate a computer. They're available in any community college in the United States or adult education course in a high school offers beginner's courses and intermediate level courses in how to use a PC and uh, all the word processing and spreadsheet analysis type of software. So that's schooling also. You can also go back uh, in adult education. Uh, There are many people, a couple of hundred thousand people take advantage of the programs, 40 states. I'm not sure whether Ohio is one of them, but there are 40 states and it's growing where you can attend a public institution, a state college, and you can go at no tuition cost at all and take or audit courses. And uh, the only expenses you have are the enrollment expenses. So if you are interested in a particular area, whether it's for a job or just for your own enlightenment, you can take courses at public institutions at little or no cost at all. Mm, but that's and a scary proposition for a lot of folks who haven't been in school for like 30 or 40 years, isn't it? There indeed is a scary thing to s- suddenly find yourself uh, sitting next to somebody half your age. I have a friend in, in the Durham, North Carolina area where I live, and Tom is an ophthalmologist, and Tom practices ophthalmology uh, two to three days a week in some clinic, and then the other two days a week he is back at the University of North Carolina taking all his basic biology courses, the same ones which he took at the University of Michigan 50 years ago. Uh, he's in classes with people who are uh, 19 and 20 years of age. That most of them, Nobody knows in the class he's a physician, but nonetheless, he's there and he's willing to accept that challenge. What it really is, it's an individual thing, but the schools are open and uh, they have all types of courses, whether it's for skill level things like computer sciences, for uh, educational things to start new careers. There are people who, as one person I met, was a physician at age 65. Now, now I'm, I'm not advocating this for everybody, 
but he decided that he was not going to practice the type of plastic surgery, restoration of hands, etc., that he had been doing for so many years. And Earl literally went back and got a degree as a lawyer, and now he's about 69. He's practicing law in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, I'm not advocating that as the common approach for most people. Most people don't need that type of challenge. <laughs> but there are all types of uh, programs based on going back to school and using that as a base. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what about uh, uh, the need for uh, saving and uh, and proper retirement planning. Uh, because of the job market and the way things are, are uh, progressing here in the economy, is it absolutely necessary that people uh, almost begin retar- uh, planning for retirement when they get out of college? I would imagine the, the Merrill Lynch's and the Prudential Securities would like you to start planning for your retirement when you're three years of age. <laughs> but when you get, seriously, when you get down to it, uh, if you can start your your planning for your financial your retirement when you're in your late 30s, that's probably soon enough, even though it's probably smarter to start earlier. If you work for a company, of course, uh, they might have a pension plan right off, and you might be automatically part of that when you're 25. And so you're not going to say no thank you if they're willing to match funds or give put maximum amounts of money away. But you should start your serious thinking of what's going to happen in the future uh, when you're in your early uh, ages. I think... As important as that is, now the consumer economy uh, is not going to favor this, but people in their 50s should start watching, and particularly if they're working for a company, should go on an economic uh, boycott of a sort. Don't start overbuying. There's no need at that time to go out and buy a, that second house we always wanted at the lake or at the, on the shore. Uh, as much as you wanted it. If you want to buy a boat, don't go on a binge and have to get the biggest boat. What you want to do, you want to be in a good financial condition. You want to have the things you need to live, but it's not good all of a sudden if the person at age 55 gets that tap on their shoulder and the company says, we no longer need you, and say, gosh, I have a leased uh, luxury car, I have a second house up on the lake, and I also have just bought myself a boat. That's an awful lot of additional mortgage payments and and monthly payments you're paying to some financial institution. The person who has a more restricted approach to spending is probably in a much better position. So there are all types of things you can do to make sure you're as liquid as possible if that day, when that day comes along. And on that note, we're out of time. We want to thank you for talking with us today. Robert Ottoborg, author of Kiplinger's Retire and Thrive. And that's today's edition of Sunday Digest. Sunday Digest is a public affairs presentation of FM 99.5 WGAR, Cleveland's country music station. The views and opinions expressed on the show were those of the participants and not necessarily those of WGAR or Nationwide Communications. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, we'd be happy to hear from you. You can write Sunday Digest, WGAR, 5005 Rockside Road, Cleveland, 44131. You can also fax us on the Lake Business Products fax line at 328-1995. Have a home computer? Send us email. The address cis colon wgar at compuserve.com or wgar at prodigy.com. Or you can call us at 328-9950. Until next time, I'm Ken Robinson. Thanking you for listening. Hoping you'll join us next time on Sunday Digest. The world is embracing cryptocurrency. Don't get left out. Make Coinbase your home base for the new digital economy. 
Millions of people and businesses trust Coinbase to buy, sell, and manage crypto. You can even earn free crypto by watching their instructional videos, which make trading and investing so easy. Coinbase is committed to creating more economic freedom through accessible, safe, and secure financial tools for everyone. To sign up, go to krobcollection.com.